there are two tales waiting for you, told one after the other by an odd set of two. So prepare yourself, dear one, because this is Drops of Darkness. I am Stranger, and I tell only fantasies. Whenever your world has a grip on your throat, I am there waiting to unleash the monsters that sleep in my mind so that they may remind you that you have sharp teeth and claws of your own. Greg's was the only car around for miles, but he still flicked on the turn signal. It was dark already, thanks to the storm, and the yellow flashes of the blinker bounced off the shimmering mounds of freshly fallen snow. I'm almost at the house, said Greg. And you know how shitty the cell service is out here. Okay, but please don't mention anything about the retirement home when you get there. You know how she is. His mother's voice cut in and out. Oh, I know how she is, which is why I'm confused why you think she'd leave that house while she's still kicking. He let the wheel spin under his palm as his old Honda straightened out and headed down the now invisible gravel road. In the back seat, the bags of food and supplies he had bought to weather out the storm toppled over, and their contents spilled out onto the floor. He sighed. Have you talked to her recently? I mean, I talked to her at the funeral, Greg said, realizing, though, as he did, that it had been well over two months since they buried his grandfather. So I guess not super recently, no. Well, Patty and I have been taking turns checking in on her, and she hasn't been right since Pops died. Greg, she's not doing well. And who can blame her? Being all the way out there in that house by yourself? Going through boxes of who knows what? Yeah, having to sort through all Pop's things would make anyone a little crazy. His voice sounded casual, but inside he shuddered. The only thing that separated his granddad from a hoarder was the meticulous system of organization for his many collections, the basis of which only he knew. Well, I appreciate you staying with her until the storm blows over. I just think of that ancient generator they have out there, and if it went off during the weather like this and no one was out there... The call dropped. Greg didn't bother trying to call back, both because he knew it wouldn't go through and because he'd just pulled up to the old farmhouse. And not only was every light on, but the front door was wide open. On the porch, his grandmother sat in one of the snow-covered chairs wearing nothing but a nightgown and boots, her long gray hair spilling across her face. Jesus, he said, bringing the car to a sudden stop. She didn't seem to notice the headlights pointed right at her, but the sound of him slamming the car door made her jump, and her hand wrapped around a shotgun that leaned against her knee. Grandma? It's Greg. I'm not a murderer, so please don't shoot me, he called out as he approached the old woman the humor in his voice painfully forced. It's freezing out here, why don't we go inside? He wondered if she'd even noticed him, when suddenly she spoke. Don't go in there, she muttered. Why not? asked Greg, fully intending on getting them both inside regardless of her answer. The no-face woman. Greg paused, not knowing what he was expecting her answer to be, but knowing it wasn't that. That's just one of Pop's old stories, he said, collecting himself. He caught her, just like he said he did. He caught her and I let her loose. And Mitch, she's so fast. 
His heart sank even farther, but he didn't bother correcting her when she called him his father's name. He looked a lot like his dad, so he couldn't blame her for thinking that he was her son. It didn't matter who she thought he was, as long as he got them inside. I checked the whole house and she's gone, he lied. She looked at him for the first time since he'd gotten there. Surprise written across her face. It worked? Sure, Grandma. It sure did. To his relief, she let him lift her out of the chair and guide her through the front door. But his plans changed as soon as he stepped inside. The house was unrecognizable. Boxes and cabinets and closets all spewed their contents onto the floor. In the living room, every mirror in the house was arranged in a circle, all pointing inward, and in the center was a box. I thought you said it worked. Where is she? His grandmother asked, her voice growing in panic as she looked at the box in the circle. She's still in here, Mitch. Grandma, I mean mom, he said, remembering who she thought he was. I'm going to take you somewhere else to stay for a bit, okay? The old woman looked like she was about to argue, but before she could, there was a crash from somewhere deep inside the house. She just hasn't found it yet. You need to lead her to it, said the old woman, pointing at the box in the circle of mirrors. Give me this, Greg said, reaching for the shotgun in her hands, and go get in the car. Greg wasn't worried about a monster from one of his grandpa's old scary stories, but he was worried about the fact that without a doubt, Someone else was in the house. Hello, he said, as soon as he heard the car door open and shut. I've called the police, he lied, pointing the shotgun in the direction of the noise. Whoever it was, they weren't trying to be quiet. Greg started to wonder if a wild animal hadn't gotten into the house and was destroying the place looking for food. With a pop and a whirr, the power went out and Greg was plunged into pitch-black darkness. Shit, 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 he muttered, fumbling to get his phone out of his pocket. He hadn't noticed that the rummaging had stopped. Finally, he managed to turn on the flashlight. He shined it down the hall and froze. It was, in fact, a woman, her feet bare and dirty, as well as her hands, and her face was blank and featureless. Wait, Grandma? He asked, holding the light out farther. The dress the woman was wearing was a nightgown, and her face was just wrapped in fabric, tied in the back, with long gray hair spilling out from underneath it and wrapping around her neck. What the fuck, Grandma? He leaned the shotgun down against the wall. She didn't move when he walked up to her or when he started trying to work the knot behind her head loose. How did you even do this to yourself? He asked. Her head was nearly touching his chest as she leaned it forward to make it easier for him. With his phone still in his hand, it took some effort, but the strips of fabric finally came loose and he quickly began to unravel it from her face. We're leaving, he told her. The snow hasn't gotten bad yet. We'll drive back to town and deal with all of this later, he said, waving his hand at the destroyed house. He was just about done when he heard the shotgun cock behind him. Why did you do that? To his horror, Greg heard his grandmother's voice at the end of the hall. He pointed the light at the woman still in front of him and saw nothing but skin stretched over the holes in her skull 
where her eyes, nose, and mouth used to be. He couldn't explain it, but the way the flesh flexed over where the mouth should be looked like a smile. Greg let the fabric slip from his hands as he backed away from the woman. He wanted to scream and to run down the hall and out to the car, but he remembered the story. The no-faced woman. She can't see, smell, or taste, but she can hear you, his grandfather had told him as a child. Greg flailed his arms trying to signal for his grandma to head for the door, but when he reached her, she just pointed to the box in the circle. That was the last thing he wanted to do, but he carefully made his way to it until he was standing in the center of the mirrors. She was dim now, but he could still see the no-face woman at the end of the hall, and against every survival instinct he had, he clapped his hands together as loud as he could. The woman bounded down the hall, crawling on both her hands and her feet, and in less than a second she was tearing at his face with her dirty hands trying to take it for her own. Kick the box, his grandmother yelled. At the sound of her voice, the woman stopped and turned towards her. Greg took his chance and jammed the heel of his boot through the lid of the wooden box before kicking it over. Dried skin, yellow teeth, and cartilage tumbled out onto the floor. The no-faced woman dropped to her knees once the pile of shriveled flesh and bone was out in the open. The skin across her face split in multiple places, and from them formed first her mouth, then her nose, and then finally her eyes, which met their reflection repeating infinitely in the mirrors as soon as she opened them, and then she started to scream. Run! Greg did as his grandmother told him, and they ran out the door towards the car. Even after they were inside, they could still hear the screaming over the wind, It got louder and louder, until they heard the mirrors shatter in unison. You did good, Gregory, said his grandmother, still holding the shotgun. Greg wasn't sure about that, but he didn't care. All he cared about was getting the engine to turn over, and getting the car unstuck from the snow. Because his grandfather had so many stories... And the no-face woman was far from the worst of them all. Hello, everyone. In between stories, we'd like to highlight a cause that is worth our collective attention. For November, we decided to highlight Doctors Without Borders. This is a nonprofit that provides medical care to those affected by war, conflict, and disaster. In a world where conflict and crisis seem to never cease, they are on the front lines bringing hope, healing, and humanity to those who need it most. You can find out more and donate at doctorswithoutborders.org or from the link on our website at dropsofdarkness.com. Now, back into the shadows we go. I am someone, and I tell only truth. Whenever something slithers through the barrier between worlds, I am there. Not to stop them, but to watch them and remind you of the countless terrors your kind has survived all on their own.
I think I accidentally took something home from Hotel Sorrento. My brother came to visit, and since I lived so close to Seattle, we thought it would be fun to spend a few nights there, specifically due to the fact that it's considered the city's most haunted hotel. We weren't really sure if anything would come from it, but we both have an interest in the paranormal and thought it, if nothing else, it would be fun to take some edibles and see if we could catch some EVPs. On the first of our two nights there, we'd just gotten back from getting dinner and some drinks when one of us, who knows which, remembered that we wanted to see if we could catch any paranormal activity. A few moments later, I was spooning one of the king-sized pillows and bidding my conscious goodbye while my phone recorded a voice note by my head. It was recording for over two hours before I woke up and turned it off. I kind of remember something waking me up, my brother getting up to go make himself a drink, and then us chatting back and forth for a few minutes before eventually it was lights out. Our second and last night there we experienced some activity, but it turns out that the first night had more going on than we thought. It just wouldn't be another two weeks until we realized it. During those two weeks after his trip ended, I began to hear something at night. At first, it sounded like humming, and I thought maybe my partner had left something open and playing on his phone after falling asleep since I was hearing it through the mattress. But then, gradually over the nights, it got louder, and I realized that there was no actual melody. It wasn't humming. It was whispering, but muffled, like whoever it was was underwater. Whenever something strange happens, my brother and I will usually text each other about it, so after hearing this multiple nights, I sent him a message. As we began to talk it over, I started to remember something from our first night at the Sorrento. I wasn't sure it was real, considering the wide array of drinks we'd had that night, but I figured maybe if he remembered it too, there was a good chance that it actually happened. So I asked if he could recall anything about whispering the first night we were at the hotel. Maybe, he told me at first. He thought about it for a few moments and then said he remembers checking the hall to see if anyone was out there. I was about to chalk it up to my mind making a bit of a reach when I thought about the recording. Out of curiosity, I dropped the files into an audio editing app on my laptop and in the wavelengths, I saw a ton of areas where we were clearly having a conversation. I pressed play and started listening. Most of it was drunken banter, and while it was entertaining to listen to, it wasn't what I was looking for. But after a few minutes of clicking through the audio, I heard my foggy memory play out through the speakers. You don't hear the whispering? I heard myself say, half asleep. What whispering? He asked. We went back and forth for a few seconds before he got up to check the hallway to see if anyone was out there talking, and when there wasn't, he asked where I was hearing it. It's underneath the bed, I told him, my face half buried in a pillow and apparently unconcerned. It would have been creepy if it hadn't been for him responding with, I think you're full of shit, immediately after, but to be honest, that's exactly what I would have said if the roles were reversed. Then, for the next 30 seconds or so, we bantered back and forth. As entertaining as it was to listen to, I was about to hit stop and still chalk it up to an interesting coincidence, but then I heard something that made me lean in and keep listening. It sounded like I was maybe shifting the pillow I had my arm around 
over the phone's mic, which made this loud shuffling sound. But just as that stopped, this weird static-like feedback begins. It's different from the shuffling, and between the crackles, you can hear a conversation continue in the background. This continues on for a bit, and then silence. I could see another spike on the wavelength, so being impatient, I skipped the minute or so of quiet, and then I heard my brother say, Huh, I just saw the living room lights flicker. I'm starting to think now that it might not just be a coincidence. There's still over an hour and a half of audio I haven't listened through, and I'm curious if we caught more than we thought. But for real, out of all the things I could have accidentally taken home from a fancy hotel, it had to be a spirit. And a talkative one. Hopefully next time, I'll end up with a nice robe stowed away in my luggage, like a normal person. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Drops of Darkness, which is written, voiced, and produced by Anadine Vaughn and Cameron Helquaik. If you enjoyed your drift into the shadows, help keep the stories alive by sharing the show, leaving a review, and if you really want to earn the favor of these dark storytellers, tether yourself to their world by tapping subscribe. If you have a true paranormal story of your own that you'd like to be read by someone, you can make the offering to submissions at dropsofdarkness.com or through the form on our website. Until next time, dear one. And remember, when the darkness looks your way, hold its gaze.